You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is November 24th, 2020. My name is Will Cross. I'm like an expert inside editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk a little bit about over-unders. Uh, the, the first over-under that I've seen for the 2021 season has come out. We'll talk a little about where the Magic stand there and what that means for the team moving forward. We'll shift over to the youth movement and how the Magic are very quietly shifting toward their youth. Maybe not as fast as some people want, but we'll talk a little bit about how the young players will play a key role in this upcoming season. And then Jonathan Isaac visits the Pope. We'll talk a little bit about what the NBPA did on Monday coming up on today's episode. But before we get into that, any of that, I do want to remind you all you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're searching every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on any team in the NBA or want the lowdown on, say, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the NFL? You can check out Locked On Bucks. That's B-U-C-S, not B-U-C-K-S. That Locked On Bucks is a completely different podcast. But if you want to check on DJ Augustine, you can check out Locked On Bucks for that too. No matter what your team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or college too, there is a Locked On podcast for you. Just search for Locked On in the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. The first over-under for the 2021 season is, is out now. Um, the Action Network posted their kind of early over-unders for uh, the seasons. And if you're not familiar with gambling parlance, uh, over-unders are essentially just saying is a bet on whether a team's going to win more or less games than the number that's given. So again, it's kind of a market efficiency type deal. It's, it's a who's betting more. If more, te- if more people are betting the over, they're going to inch that number up so more people can bet on the under. They can equal their bets and the casino just takes the vig and that makes everyone happy. That's, that's how these things work. Um, it's still very, very early, but yes, free agency is essentially done. Most of the major free agents have already signed. Most of the money has been spent, or most of the money that will be spent has been spent. And essentially, almost every roster spot has been filled. The Magic actually finished up their free agency period uh, by signing Jordan Bone to a a two-way contract. So now both of their two-way contract slots are filled with with a Kareem uh, Mane, I believe is his name, um, from Canada. Uh, signing to the other two-way slot. Um, the Magic are going to have Jordan Teske from Michigan as a camp invite. Um, I imagine he will play in the G League if the G League even has a season. It's not particularly clear at this point. Um, but uh, the Magic are essentially done. Their roster's full. They've spent all their money. There's nowhere else for them to go. As we mentioned yesterday, the big moves that they made were re-signing Michael Carter-Williams, re-signing Gary Clark, re-signing James Ennis, and then adding Dwayne Bacon as an end-of-the-bench guy. The Magic are essentially going to be the same team as they were last year, except with Cole Anthony in place of DJ Augustine and Chuma Okiki in place of some combination of Jonathan Isaac and Wessel Undo. So somewhere, somewhere between those two ranges of minutes is where Chuma Okiki is going to fit in. Say the least, this is very much the same team—a team that went 33 and 40 last year, and you know, 33 and 40 in a 73-game season, when they're about to play a 72-game season. The Magic are probably hoping to reach that level again. You know, maybe they'd like—I I, certainly, the Magic—I think think they could finish 500, which would put them at 36 wins. Um, 
I think that's ultimately where they feel like they have to be to make the playoffs. Um, but there's a fair amount of pessimism about this team. Um, you know, I, I, I've encountered it plenty. Um, I am an optimist by nature, uh, especially when it comes to this team. For whatever reason, I remain an optimist. And, you know, I, I one of my most liked tweets over the weekend was essentially, was essentially after Gordon Hayward signed, I said, I said this, and, and I do believe this. I could see the Magic finishing sixth. I could see the Magic finishing last in the Southeast Division and way out of the playoff race. I could see the bottom dropping out of this team very, very quickly. The wrong injury to the wrong guy at the wrong time. Put, bury this team in a hole that they cannot get out of. I could see this team just kind of being what it was last year with some added health, a 500 team with some improvements from some of their key players, a 500 team once again. The range of possible outcomes for this Magic team are pretty wide. But even in my most optimistic, I would agree that the Magic, at least on paper, as we sit here today, and this might change once we get to camp, this might change once we actually see this team play, on paper, I do not think the Magic are better this year than they were last year. I know I've sat here and said, uh, I, I believe this is a playoff team, and I still do. And I still believe that is the standard, and I still believe this team is playoff capable, and their potential is to make the playoffs. Um, and, and I have no reason not to believe that. Uh, as I've said before, the Magic deserve the benefit of the doubt. They deserve every opportunity to keep their spot. Um, and I again as, again, as small of a goal as that is, I get that's a tiny goal. But I, there are teams that have gotten better in the Eastern Conference. Um, and are they, have they made up that seven-game gap to catch the Magic? We're going to find out. Um, I think Atlanta got significantly better this offseason. Uh, Chicago adding Billy Donovan, I think, makes them a more potent team, although losing Chris Dunn is going to hurt them a little bit. Um, you know, if Washington gets John Wall back and, and they're both healthy and he's both healthy and motivated, that's a very, very dangerous team despite some of their depth issues that I, that I think they have. Um, you know, the Magic are a solid team. I think that their floor is probably, when healthy at least, their floor is a lot higher than a lot of these teams, but their ceiling is potentially limited. And I think that's ultimately what's going to drive a lot of these decisions or a lot of these predictions of how the season's going to go. But like I said, I am not convinced that this team is better than it was last year. Um, I, I think they can be. I think they can be better than they were last year. I think they can be equal to what they were last year. But sitting here on paper, there are a lot more questions than answers. Um, and frankly, a lot of that's going to have to do with what we're going to talk about in the second segment. But back to the over-under. The early over-under for the Orlando Magic is 31.5. That would mean a one- or two-game drop-off from last season when they went 33-40 and and in a 73-game season. So in a 72-game season, they're expected to go, let's just for sake of argument, say 31-41. and 41. That would put them, at least according to the Action Network's numbers, in ninth place in the Eastern Conference. Which honestly, I will say is that's that's showing the Magic a little bit more respect than I think a lot of people have been over the course of this offseason. Now, obviously, that's not the goal. The goal is not to finish ninth. The goal is to make the playoffs. And I will say this throughout the entire course of the season, even when things look bleak, that the Magic failing to make the playoff field, I'm not talking about the play-in tournament, the playoff field is the goal and is the standard. If the Magic do not get into the playoff field, if they are not playing a first-round playoff series, not a play-in tournament, a playoff series, 
then this season is a failure. That's the standard. But because of the play in tournament this year, you finish ninth, you give yourself a chance. You're two wins away from getting that done. And like I've said, I do think it is incredibly valuable. And I believe it is a double-edged sword. I believe that, you know, if you finish eighth and or seventh and you put your playoff spot that you've earned on the line, that that's certainly that's certainly something to consider. But the other part of it is too. If you're a young team, if you're a team that hasn't won anything of significance, and, and again, like a playoff race is something of significance, but uh, a, a meaningful, like do or die kind of game seven type atmosphere, this is amazing experience for these teams. I, I mean, I, I, I think that the NBA is doing the right thing here. And I hope that the play in tournament becomes permanent because there was a lot of fun in the bubble uh, with the Grizzlies and Blazers game. Um, but making this thing permanent is going to give some of these young teams. Game seven experience, um, and I think that's really and, and really really valuable. And especially when you're at the beginning of your career, at the beginning of your playoff run, especially kind of the teams that you would expect to finish seventh or eighth, that that need this experience, that you know really need the playoff experience. Winning game seven, you know, kind of type games is so much more valuable. Uh, and, and so I think this stuff is going to really matter. I think this stuff is going to be really really important and good. Like. If I'm the Atlanta Hawks, I am beyond excited for this opportunity. I'm beyond excited. You know, honestly, I welcome the play-in tournament because that's going to give me more as valuable an experience as the regular playoffs. Well, and the regular playoffs are going to give you a ton of experience, and, and and preparing in a playoff series is much different than the regular season, and that matters. But getting a do-or-die pressure game that you really, you know, you really find out, you know, which diamonds, you know, which which pieces of dirt turn into diamonds, so to speak. Um, whatever that analogy is. Now, Magic had that in their playoff run two years ago. Like, I remember sitting there a month before the playoffs started saying, every game is a playoff game from here on in. The Magic are in the thick of it. And that was extremely valuable for that team. Now, we haven't seen that value necessarily play out, but, um, you know, like you saw what the struggle that Nikola Vucevic went through, he came back better. You know, I, honestly, like, if Evan Forty were healthy, I think he would have played a lot better too. Um, but... Obviously, that's not the end goal. Um, the Magic, where they sit in the Eastern Conference right now, is they are the incumbent. Everyone's chasing their spot. And their spot is up for grabs and everybody knows it. Trust me, everyone knows the Magic are in a weak spot or in a spot of, of are in a precarious spot. And they're in a precarious spot for several reasons. Mostly, they didn't do very much this offseason. They didn't change. They didn't improve the roster. Now, granted, I would say this. I don't think they made the roster worse necessarily, but they didn't improve it. But the way that they will improve is all internal. And so, yes, a 31 and a half, you know, prediction for how many wins they're going to get is not good. The Magic are not where they need to be. Like, the, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying be satisfied with the AC, be satisfied with playoff crumbs. No. Don't be satisfied with that. It is, it is bad that the Magic are back in this spot. And I know Jonathan Isaac being out is a big factor in some things and, and has kind of made the 2021 season feel a little pointless, but there's still work to do. Uh, and there's still work that can get done and accomplished. And all of it, whether the Magic are successful or unsuccessful this season, is going to fall to the very players that Magic fans are most eager to see. This season is all about the Magic's young players, both for the present and for the future. We'll talk about that a little bit more coming up here 
in just a moment. But first, we got to get through our walls. We got to break through our walls. And the only way to do that is with Built Go. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. They come in easy to take one and a half ounce packages so you can put them in your briefcase, your golf bag, your pocket, wherever you go. It fits and it's there for you when you need it. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and much better results. They come in three delicious flavors like peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, which is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast, and it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with great stuff to ignite your work, including beta alanine, B3 honey, and a kick of caffeine, plus your plus other great B vitamins like B6 and B12. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Playoffs still matter for the Orlando. Like, don't don't get anything wrong. The Magic still believe they are a playoff team, and, and, and believe that that making the playoffs is, is still super valuable. And and just saying that statement, uh, you know, that, that colored a lot of what they did this offseason. To be honest, um, you know, I think it's it's abundantly clear from the deals that were made during this this offseason, and that you know, at least the deals that the Magic were rumored to be thinking about. The market was trying to treat the Magic as sellers, unless unless you know you're trading away a star um, on a contract that isn't so team friendly, like Russell Westbrook. Um, the market was trying to tell the Magic for the players that they had to sell these guys off. We will give you a, a, an expiring salary and and draft picks for these guys. We're not going to give you anything of value. You're not getting a like for like deal here. And the Magic opted because the playoffs are important to them. To stand pat and stick with their guys. Doesn't mean they're going to stick with them for the long term. Doesn't mean that that posture won't change at some point. Perhaps even some point very, very soon. But for now at least, the Magic are going at it as if they're going to make the playoffs. As if they're trying to win. And, and of course, as I, as I told so many people uh, and, and said on the show before, the Magic are not entering the season thinking that they're not capable of making the playoffs. The Magic are entering the season believing fully fully that they can make the playoffs and expecting to make the playoffs. Again, expecting and doing are two very, very different things. But whether the Magic make the playoffs or not, whether the Magic are going to take that step, it's going to come down to the kind of players and the kind of things that I think a lot of fans are clamoring for. I, I could tell you from a lot of the conversations I've had with, with people on Twitter uh, and, and just a lot of the, the thoughts that, 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 that I've had thinking about what this team's going to look like in 2021, there is a real desire to see the team turn the page to a new era, to see the team give the reins over to a new group of players. We've seen what Evan Forney, Nikola Vucevic, and Aaron Gordon can do. And, you know, I, as much of an optimist as I am and sometimes as much as I defend some of these players, we know that this group has a ceiling. And figuring out how to burst through that ceiling is going to be one of the more difficult tasks that the Magic have in front of them. For a lot of people, that means just hand over the reins already. Don't even bother with what you, with what you already know. 
let's just te- let's just throw guys into the deep end. Let's throw some players into the deep end. There's a lot of thought of Mo Bamba needs to play 30 minutes, which I don't think is at all what needs to happen. There's a lot of thought of let's just you know, hey, give Markel Fultz the ball a whole lot more, and I do think that is something that we will see this year. He's earned that right. He's earned that respect, and the Magic have already. They already know what they have in him, and now they have an offseason to really plan how to use him, something they didn't have last year. Remember, Markel Fultz wasn't even cleared to practice until about two weeks before training camp. But there's at least some moderate concern that the Magic's young players, the players that really matter for this team, aren't going to get opportunity, aren't going to get minutes. And frankly, that's that's bunk. Because this whole season, whether this season's successful or not, depends on the Magic's young players making an impact fairly quickly. Whether the Magic are able to accomplish their goals depends on Mo Bamba, on Chuma Okihi, on Cole Anthony, on Markel Fultz. And to some extent, we'll go ahead and keep Aaron Gordon in that group for now. Whether the Magic are actually able to achieve their goals, Aaron Gordon's going to have to have a much better season, much play a lot better. But a lot of things are going to have to fall into place for the Magic to have the kind of season that they want to have. And more than in any time in the last two years with Steve Clifford, rookies and young players are going to play a much bigger role. Just take a look at that Magic depth chart. Michael Carter-Williams is going to float between the two guard spots, but the Magic will need a third point guard. They will need Cole Anthony to give them something this year. He is going to get time on the floor. He is going to get minutes. This is frankly not up for debate. Cole Anthony will play. And whether those bench units are successful, it's going to come down to whether Cole Anthony can run them successfully. Mo Bamba has Ken Burcha as a backstop for sure. But he is going to play. He's going to get those 15 to 18 minutes that a lot of people felt like he should have gotten last year. Provided he is healthy, provided he has the conditioning, he is going to play and play significant minutes. And again, if he can start to look like he can push for starters minutes, that's going to start making the change the Magic need to see. It's a big year for for Mo Bamba because he'll be entering hit the final year of his rookie contract next year. And if he doesn't look like he can start, if he's not on track to be a starter, the Magic are going to really have to think about moving him and think about what their future is at center and whether Nikola Vucevic is actually that answer. Obama faces a huge season this year. Chuma Okiki is going to play. Again, provided he is healthy, he slots in as that backup small four. I mean, I can't see the Magic running Carter Williams and Terrence Ross too much together. Um... At least is that that two and the three, it's possible they, they could. But Okiki has a clear path to minutes. And if he is as good as everyone seems to think he is, he is going to play a big role. So you can say the same. You know, yes, there's Alfrukuminu there too. There's there's competition there. But if the Magic want to get where they want to go, if the Magic want to be a playoff team, if they want to be more than what they were last year. These guys are going to have to play, and they're going to have to play well. Everyone wants to see the Magic turn the page. Everyone wants to see the Magic 
begin to trust the players that Jeff Weltman has selected. These are Jeff Weltman guys. As, as my colleague at Orlando Magic Daily, Dan Bennett, pointed out, the Magic can make a starting lineup of guys that Jeff Weltman has acquired now. Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, Chumo Kiki, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba. Those are all, you know, with the exception of Markel Fultz, who was acquired in a trade, those are all players that Jeff Weltman acquired. The foundations for who this team wants to be are there. Now the question is, what, do, what does that actually look like? What can they actually build around? Because yes, the Magic are getting ready to turn the page. Evan Fournier's contract is up at the end of the year. He is probably not coming back. And if the Magic feel like they need to bring him back, that's frankly a failure of development, and that's frankly a failure uh, to, to find any value, value for him. That's not a good thing, I don't think. And, and I do like Evan Fournier. I think he is a very underrated player. But the Magic shouldn't be paying him $17 million again. And that's what he's going to ask as a minimum because he should, as, as, a general, as a general point of advice, never accept a, a pay reduction or, de, or demotion, so to speak, from your job. Same, the same rule applies here. You go to a different job, maybe, maybe take a little less pay, but not from the same company. It's not good business. If the Magic are truly looking toward their future and truly looking to build for their future, it's going to start this year with whatever result happens. I know I've sat here and I've said this year feels kind of useless. And it does, because Jonathan Isaac isn't out there. The Magic aren't going to be the full team that they can be. They're not going to have the full results of what they can be. But they're still going to get a lot of valuable information. They're still going to get a glimpse of their future. And these guys matter. Granted, Chumo Kiki's a rookie, Cole Anthony's a rookie. I'm not expecting a ton from them. But if the Magic want to be successful, they're going to need to play. If the Magic want to see what their future really looks like, they're not going to need to play well. And frankly, you could tell by the way that I described them, they're, they're still internal competition. They're not guaranteed minutes at all. I think they're going to get them. I think they're going to win those competitions. But they're not guaranteed anything. Them losing those competitions says something too. Because frankly, we know what those veterans can do. We know what this team looks like with those veterans. And it's not good enough. It's not going to get the job done. So again, the question Remains The question still sits there, simmering on the top, simmering wherever you want to see it. The Magic may not make the playoffs this year. The Magic may not um, accomplish everything they want to accomplish. But if those young players not only look like players, but look like pretty good players with a little more seasoning and a little more growth, can get the Magic up another level with you know adding back in Jonathan Isaac and maybe the right trade somewhere, that suddenly makes this season much more worthwhile. There's still a lot to learn. There's still a lot to get from this season. It is not a completely lost season. But it's going to take those young players playing well to make it happen. On tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Magic's developmental program. I want to talk more specifically about Wes Wundu and the decision to let him go because 
you know, yes, maybe Wessel Wonder would have faced the same problems trying to find minutes on this roster, and that might ultimately be why the Magic let him go. But Wessel Wundu is a great success story for the Orlando Magic, but also one of its greatest failures. And it's for this very reason where you want to see young players kind of take on larger roles. Wessel Wundu never did. So we'll talk about that on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. Closing out today's show then with a little bit of fun news. Something that was a little bit unexpected. Apparently this was put together very much in the last minute. Uh, Jonathan Isaac was among a delegation of five players with the, uh, as well as some representatives from the NBPA who met with Pope Francis uh, in, in Italy, in the Vatican, uh, about the, the league and the team and players' efforts to, to promote social justice in the United States. Um, it was. I, I woke up to this news. I actually peeped on Jonathan Isaac's uh, on Instagram story that he was in Italy, and it was, and it was just a really, a, a an it must have been an incredible experience. I mean, regardless of your religious background or anything like that, um, you know, this is a a person of great importance, a, a world leader, and 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 again, you know, don't want to get too deep into into the politics of Catholicism here, but. Um, you know, generally, Pope Francis is viewed as someone who is interested in social justice issues, in in kind of social order, and and, and kind of doing well by the poor. Um, a, a big tenet of Christianity, at least in name, if not always in practice. Um, but this is this was kind of a surprise. Uh, obviously, it was a surprise that it was it was apparently put together uh, within the last forty eight hours. Um, but Jonathan Isaac was among the players that that visited there and, and even handed the Pope an Orlando Magic jersey. Um, so I guess I guess magic is does not get you banned from the Catholicism anymore, um, but you know it, it it's it, it's really a sign though of something that I talked about throughout the summer. Um, you know I, you know obviously you know a lot of players and a lot of people have done a lot of work to spread social justice. And George Hill and Sterling Brown were both among the members of the NBPA's delegation to to the Vatican. Um, it, it, it's a reminder of something that I said throughout the summer, throughout the offseason, or throughout the, the, the time when we were talking about these issues. NBA players are probably the most visible black men in this country. Um, for, again, for better or for worse, and, and I, I would love to see more black scientists. I'd love to see more black role models in, in jobs and positions that aren't athletics, that, that aren't kind of entertainment. Um, it's that I mean, unfortunately, those are in across races. Those are where we see a lot of representation and a lot of more visible people than you know, kind of the people that are doing a lot of the work that needs to be done around around the country and, and just kind of get us through our everyday lives. But you know, as you know, someone who is you know a, a white you know middle you know upper middle class kid, my introduction to Black America, to Black American culture, to Black men was through basketball, through the NBA. These, again, are the most visible black men in the country. And that makes them, whether they want to be or not, leaders. And what's happened really over the last, certainly in the last year, but but certainly over the last few years, and probably really started, you know, really kicked into overdrive with Colin Kaepernick and the statement that he made, um, is these men are utilizing that power in a completely different way. Not just to sell stuff, not just for their own financial gain, but to try and make the world a better place. Um, LeBron James deserves credit for this, for for the work that he's done, for the charitable work that he's done. Um, but 
certainly over the last few years with the increase of awareness of police practices in this country, uh, especially towards black men and, and black women too, these men are stepping up in major ways. Um, and this this season, this year, with the coronavirus pandemic and, and the rash of, of police shootings that we saw of black men and black women in this country, the NBA and its players have stepped up to take this leadership role to shine a spotlight on these issues and demand for change. It's unfair to ask them to have all the answers, of course. They're studying and learning just like we all are. But they're the faces that people will most associate with. They're the faces that look the most similar to to the people who are being victimized. And they are truly stepping into these leadership roles. And the Pope was recognizing that, was recognizing the influence that they have in their spheres to affect change. And, and you know, he, according to what Zach Lowe reported, he wanted to learn what efforts they were doing and, and, and how they did that and how they, they came to do this. Because I'm sure, you know, the, the, the Pope and, and, and would like to make this a project of his too, would like to be able to help in these efforts. Because that is something that, 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 at least in his public words and and his, you know, honestly, his ministry, um, that's been something that's been very important to him. To say the least, this meeting with, with the Pope was a sign that, yes, these men are leaders. Their influence, again, fair or not that athletes have this influence, but their influence does affect things, does matter. And does have, uh, again, does ripple across the world. Does ripple across and does reach down and and get to people. You know, people, you know, there's, there's a lot of backlash from people who didn't, just didn't want to hear the message. But I can guarantee you there were more people who saw the players make this message and began to think about these problems too and started to learn a little bit more too and started to listen a little bit more too. And as I said throughout the off, throughout the summer when all this was happening... The first step is just to listen, to acknowledge their stories, acknowledge their experience, and ask, how can we change this? How can we make you how can we make it so this isn't a way that you feel? Because those those feelings are very, very real. So I would always encourage, no matter no matter what the situation is, no matter what the issue is, listening is the first step to understanding and the first step to 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 solving a problem. Just understanding how someone feels and why they believe the way they believe. And that, that goes for everything. You know, sometimes it is hard to argue against people and, and these are fraught political times for, you know, several reasons. And it, it's, it can be frustrating because a lot of people just talk past each other. But if you stop and just listen to, to start with, understand perspectives, then you can begin to find solutions. And I think that's really what the players were asking for throughout this whole process. And that's really the beginning. To, to say the least, what the players did did have an actual effect on the world. By some estimates, opening up state the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, as well as Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, and opening up the stadiums to early voting and to voting in general, had an effect on this election. It got people out to vote that may not have otherwise voted. It gave access to people to vote that may not have voted otherwise. 
regardless of what side of the political outcome you came, you came out came on here, more people voted in this election than I think in any election in my lifetime. At least I'm thirty. I'm thirty two years old. You know, Donald Trump lost this election, but he had had more votes this time around than he did four years ago. People participated in this democracy. And I, honestly, I do think the efforts that the NBPA had and the NBA had in opening their buildings and promoting voter registration and promoting voting rights had a big part to play in it. And indeed, the, the arenas, the State Farm Arena, as well as Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta will be open once again for the special runoff election in January. Going to be a very valuable tool Again, for a, a, an important election, that's going to decide the balance of the Senate. To be per, to be perfectly honest, um, these men are exercising their power. They're exercising their influence, and they're doing it, frankly, in a positive way. They're not telling you what to think. They're not, as far as I know, very few have told you. You know, I, I get some of the pushback on Colin Kaepernick because he was, you know, I, I, while I agree with with his general statements, I think sometimes he could be a little bit abrasive. And again, maybe maybe. Maybe, frankly, maybe that's just me talking as a white person and white being afraid that, you know, you got to sugarcoat things for white people to accept to accept that black problem, problems are their problems because they, they are, but white people sometimes don't feel that way. And I think there's always pushback when you really challenge a worldview that a lot of people have had. And especially when you're kind of speaking truth to power, power doesn't like to give it up. And white people have been in power in this country since you know, since the pilgrims landed for, you know, the Thanksgiving reference. Um, but the NBA players, frankly, have been very, you know, magnanimous in their approach. And, and they've been trying to just get people to understand the experiences that they've had. And, and their experiences that these players, despite their wealth, despite their privilege, have had in their lives. Not all of them were born into this privilege. They've had to fight through a lot of stuff and a lot of things even as NBA players. I mean, again, Sterling Brown just settled a lawsuit with the Milwaukee Police Department um, because they beat him for a parking violation. They tased him for a parking violation. It, it This stuff happens, and it's very, very real. And obviously, the NBA is continuing to use its influence to promote social justice, which is something that, frankly, can't be argued against. At the end of the day, we all want everyone to be equal under the law and equal in this country and, e- and have equal rights and equal access to all the benefits that citizenship can provide. And in this country, unfortunately, that has not happened. It's never happened in this country. We've slowly inched toward it, but far too slowly than we should have. So I'm glad that these players continue to use their influence. I'm glad that these players have gotten some opportunity. And and Jonathan Isaac, obviously among them, um, you know, I know that he got some flack for for standing during the national anthem, but he was in prayer because he believes that prayer is is the way to solve all these issues. He believes that kind of a belief in in God and religion is the way to is the is the first step to solving a lot of the issues uh, that we face in this country. And you know, again, I'm not going to doubt Jonathan Isaac's sincerity. I I know that he's a very religious person and a very uh, faithful person um, that's gotten him this far and and has given him a lot of strength and a lot of optimism that um, I think we can all take an example out of. Um, he has put that into action. He provided he provided meals to children um, who would have who rely on the public school system for meals when the pandemic first broke out and schools were were shut down. Uh, he provided meals for families, delivered meals to families who who needed them uh, in, in the early days of the pandemic and the early days of the shutdown. 
This is a guy that that you know again he's he's very very sincere in his beliefs and 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 is someone who is making a major difference in our community here in Central Florida and is someone that that we should be very proud to be a member of the Orlando Magic and 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 someone who you know obviously has taken his faith and turned it into good I think uh, as far as I know at least um, here in our community. Um, you know, again, it, whether you stand, whether you stand or kneel for the anthem is, is an individual choice. It's 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 the actions that that come around it that that matter so much more. So, a great honor for all of them to 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 go to the Vatican and meet the Pope and discuss these issues with them, and hopefully we see some more action come out of it. That's gonna do it for today's episode of Locked On Magic. Though I, I want you all to check out the latest episode of Locked On NBA on Tuesdays. It's East meets West as Wes Goldberg, the Warriors beat writer for the San Jose Mercury News, and the host of Locked On Warriors joins David Ramil, friend of the show and host of Locked On Heat, to tackle the biggest NBA stories of the day, coast to coast. Subscribe to Locked On NBA podcast wherever you get podcasts today. And don't forget to subscribe to the Locked On Magic podcast too on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himway, Google Play, Spotify, and all the places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr-omd. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We have a deep dive coming up on the Orlando Magic's offseason, what they did, what they didn't do, the opportunities they may have missed, and the opportunities they were probably right to pass up, and what comes next. That's all coming up on orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter there, at omagicdaily. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.